Hi, this is Kate Bosworth. I'm with my dog, Happy, on the Horror Squad podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Horror Squad podcast. This is episode number 312, where tonight we are going to be talking about 2002's the Mothman prophecies as picked by me. I wanted to go with a sort of winter themed movie and uh, you'll find out how winter themed it was after we review it. But I am here of course with Steve. Unfortunately, Totter is getting some dental work done. So as you had heard in previous episodes, I think he's going for a root canal today. So unfortunately he cannot join us this week. He will definitely, I'm sure be back next week though, of course. So Steve, how you doing? How's your week, buddy? Not too bad. I think this is his last root canal, so hopefully everything is going well. I mean, like he said, you know, go to the dentist regularly and brush your teeth and floss and all that stuff. I'm actually going to the dentist tomorrow, but it's just a cleaning for me, so nothing nothing too crazy. Um, I had a good week. I, I watched a lot of movies, man. Like, holy shit. I, I was looking at my um, letterboxed, and, you know, a new year, it's like a like a fresh slate you know and right now we're january 8th and i'm recording this and i'm already at 19 movies so i yeah i don't know what's going on i just i guess i'm just motivated i've had a big one big one so far so you definitely have a big uh, advantage over me (laughs) yeah so i have a lot a lot of things i watched and i'm looking forward to seeing what this year brings uh but actually speaking of todd i do want to mention something he talked about it a little while ago that he is being published in a collection of horror works by Terracor Publishing in a book called Doors of Darkness, 27 Tales of Terror. So he has a story in that book called Old Deadeye John, and the book is now available. You can buy it online at terracorpublishing.com. It's also available on Amazon and in stores. So please show some support for our boy Todd. Doors of Darkness, 27 Tales of Horror by Terracore Publishing. Yeah, he's doing well, man. You know, with the writing, he's written, what, four books. Uh, I think this is his second story that is in a, like, in a group. And also, just uh, check out our buddy Eric. He also has a story, part of a big anthology set. That one is called Dark Town. It's an anthology book and also available on Amazon. So check that out as well. We know a lot of uh, big writers, <laughs> Joe. It's, uh, it's pretty impressive, like. Good job, you guys, and support them. Absolutely, yeah. Please support our our friends. They're doing amazing things, and yeah, that's great. All right, should we end into some horror news, Steve? Yes, let's spill the tea. Oh, you want the tea? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We don't serve tea. Nope. Instead, you get a cup of Joe. And now here's Joe with the news. All righty. Thank you so much, Chuck. And here we go. This is your cup of Joe for the week let's start off with some very big news something we had reported on last year i believe and that is that blumhouse and james james wan's atomic monster uh, company have officially joined forces to create a horror mega power essentially what this deal uh, does is these two companies have merged in uh, what is the probably the biggest thing in horror in quite a long time. So under the deal, Blumhouse and Atomic Monster will work as separate labels and re- remain creatively independent. But of course, like, you know, they'll be able to come together and sort of 
uh, you know, more money, more horror movies being made. Atomic Monster is expecting to utilize the existing Blumhouse infrastructure to further scale their activities in film, TV, and new content area. The idea behind the alliance is to increase the output from each side. So, like I said, more horror movies being made from underneath both banners. So, excellent, excellent news there. Say what you will about James Wan or Blumhouse, but... They're powerhouses, man. They're powerhouses in the horror industry. They are mainstream horror right now. And, you know, every production company is going to make not great horror movies and great horror movies. So I think, you know, increasing the output means increasing the output of potentially more great horror movies. So I think this is a great deal. I agree. I mean, we want more horror movies out there. Like you said, you know, there's there's different flavors for different people. And uh, that's just the way it's going to be. I, I think is uh, Night Swim... A collaboration by those two i think it's blumhouse and a james wan produced thing right i mean since they're under the same banner now i don't know if they're just calling it like the same thing actually you know what james wan produced it so yeah i guess it maybe this is the like official first sort of movie under that banner which based on reviews i'm hearing it's not great <laughs> <laughs> yeah i know it's uh it is what it is you know I, I still think it's a cool thing that they're using basically the infrastructure to make more movies so i'm all down for that all right, next bit of news here is a little bit uh, of an update on Jordan Peele's newest horror movie. Of course, we unfortunately found out that it seems like it is going to be getting pushed to 2025. Originally, it was supposed to come out Christmas of this year, but uh, Peele did tease a little bit. Um, you know, they did say due to the SAG after strike, that's kind of what ended up putting this movie on hold. But Peele went on to say this has been obviously... Uh, it's been an interesting year because the writer's strike had had me in a state of listening, and that's where I need to be. Um, he said, I do feel like my next project is clear to me, and I'm psyched that I have another film that, you know, could be my favorite movie if I make it right. And that's really all we have right now. All we It's going to be a horror movie, and everything else is completely under wraps. So we will give you guys an update. Peel, of course, is also producing a remake of People Under the Stairs, which... I don't know if that's coming out this year or not either, but I don't think it has started filming yet, so I feel like that's probably going to be another 2025 release. So a lot of Peel produced horror and hopefully directed horror coming within the next year or two. Not, not to mention, uh, Jordan Peel also announced to be working with Hideo Kojima to make a new video game. That's right. Uh, OD, I, I believe, is the name of the game. So that's uh, that's great. Like, you know, I'd give all the Peel that uh, I can get. He's an amazing visionary mind and i'm looking forward to seeing what he makes next year i guess agreed uh, all right a little bit of update here on uh something i don't think we have reported on and that is guillermo del toro's frankenstein movie that he is planning on um so he is of course working on an adaptation of the original novel mary shelley's frankenstein and it originally was reported that andrew garfield was going to take on the role of the iconic monster well he unfortunately or fortunately for whatever you want to say here uh dropped out due to scheduling conflicts and taking over as our new monster is going to be jacob alordi who is jacob alordi well if you just watch saltburn which i know steve and i just watched recently uh he plays sort of the friend rich character in that but most of you will know him from of course the hbo breakout hit euphoria where he plays sort of the abusive boyfriend bully character in that role. Alordi will be joining previously announced cast members Mia Goth, 
Christoph Waltz and Oscar Isaac, who will play Victor Frankenstein role in that movie. So yeah, Steve, what do you think about this? Guillermo del Toro's Frankenstein, the casting choices, how are we feeling? I really like Andrew Garfield, so I'm kind of bummed about it. I don't know Jacob Elordi's work that well. I didn't watch Euphoria other than seeing my wife watch it, so I've seen like scenes of it. I did watch Saltburn, and he was good in that. I mean, everyone was good in that. So I really don't know, but I mean, Guillermo del Toro, Frankenstein, I'm in. 100% agreed. I mean, anything Guillermo del Toro makes, I'm 100% going to watch. So, uh, yeah, I mean, Jacob Lordy's good. Like, he, I watched Euphoria as well, and he was great in that, and he was great in Saltburn. So, interesting choice, though, to play the monster, but he is a jack dude. So, I mean, you know, he could probably pull it off pretty well. So, yeah, it, it should be a, definitely an interesting movie. And the rest of the cast is great there, too, right? Oscar Isaac as Victor Frankenstein, great choice there. Christoph Waltz, who is always amazing in everything. And my, I love Mia Goth. I know you guys are kind of, I feel like, no, 50, 50 I, honor, I, but... I loved her in X. She was good. Like, okay. she was good. In, I didn't love Pearl, but I loved her in Pearl. It's just in um, Infinity Pool, I, I just wasn't okay. loving it. But I, as an actress, I think she's amazing. So, yeah, I'm psyched for it. Okay. All right, next bit of news here is Steven Spielberg. He is going to produ be producing a new horror movie in the vein of Rosemary's Baby. So uh, Spielberg has, he's grabbed the uh, hot short story package of a novel called Long Lost, which is a 50-page horror tale from writing Colin Bainan. Maybe some of you are familiar with it. The short story, though, has no actually hasn't yet been published, but when Spielberg read the, no the short story, he immediately picked it up to produce it. So the site reports, in the vein of What Lies Beneath and Rosemary's Baby, Long Lost tells the story of a recently married woman whose life is upended when her husband's long-lost wife shockingly returns after she was believed to be dead, sparking fears that she's hatching a sinister plan to reclaim what was once hers. So we'll see how that one works out. To me, that sounds more like a, a drama than a, a yeah, horror I mean, movie, but Spielberg, we'll I mean, <laughs> yeah, I'm not yeah. expecting a full ass horror here. I I want a full ass horror. Oh, but for, yeah, I want I, it, I mean, but I just don't see <laughs> yeah. it happening. <laughs> no, same. But yeah, we'll keep you guys updated on that one. I mean, it's Spielberg and somewhat horror from what it sounds like. So hopefully that will be coming out shortly. Uh, next bit of news here is what we do in the shadows has officially announced it will end with its sixth and final season sad faces i'm sure for many of you i feel like the show finally found its its voice again like it it kind of had a lull there in the middle but the last couple seasons have been fantastic but i guess it's better to go out on top than you know kind of dragging it along so what do you think steve do you think this is a, the right time to kind of end what we do in the shadows i, I do uh, you, you could tell even though i absolutely loved the last season it was like actually really really good on par with the first two i could feel that they're starting to circle around with storylines and it's like they don't really know where to go so i think having one final season is a good thing for this show and this is coming from someone who absolutely adores this show so you know it's it's better to go out on top than to just go back into weird storylines that don't fit i think it's a good thing let's let's finish it off on a strong note absolutely agree i mean and now you can end it you know your own terms right we're actually get you know there's so many shows that end up getting canceled and they never get a full ending you know and it's it's kind of left open-ended whereas now 
they're ending it. We'll um, we'll get some sort of conclusion here, and and that's a good thing. Uh, all right, just two more stories to get through here. A quick one here. The Strangers Chapter 1 has got a May 2024 release date. Of course, this is going to be a trilogy directed by Rennie Harlan, who directed um, one of the Nightmare on Elm Street sequels. And he is directing all three of these movies. As far as what this trilogy is going to entail, I don't know. But I know our friend Damien Maffei will not be back as the man in the mask, unfortunately. This is going to be a completely revamped story with all new actors and everything. I uh, I don't know, Steve. I'm like on the fence about this. Are you excited about this? Not like I'll watch it, but I'm not excited about it. You know, I, I think it's a shame that we don't get Damien Maffei back. I mean, Damien Maffei has never been in a bad movie. I mean, let's just put on record here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, no, seriously, I I just I don't know. It's I I don't feel like we need more strangers, especially three movies. Like I don't particularly like adore that series. I love the second one, I guess, a little bit more than the first one. I'm not a big home invasion guy, so that like already doesn't excite me. But I'm curious to see what he does with it. Yeah, I mean, just like making a trilogy is is really. I know like trilogies are like the hot thing on the streets right now, but I just I just don't know how you stretch a trilogy into a very simple. Uh, plot like the strangers you know what i mean like is like the first one of the stories going to be like a complete backstory on the characters which we've never gotten before right like they're very mysterious people but isn't that what makes them scary like is that you don't know like who they are or like what they're doing so yeah i don't know i Rennie harlan i mean he's not like the best director either like i mean we do love deep blue sea but like granted that movie definitely has its issues as well so yeah i don't know I, i'm uh, cautiously optimistic, I guess, is what I'll say going into that trilogy. And the last bit of horror news this week is we all know, of course, with last year's success of Winnie the Pooh and the expiration of the, what was it, the copyright, of course, of Winnie the Pooh ran yeah. out. So, you know, we got Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey. Well, Mickey is getting the same treatment. Steamboat Mickey from the original Mickey cartoon, the uh, copyright did finally run out on that. And two movies have already been announced in its vein. The first one, do you remember what the first one's called, Steve? Uh, no. By I chance? Okay, well, there's one coming out. They already released the trailer. It looks fucking terrible. <laughs> and we're also getting a second one called Steamboat Willie. This one, to me, sounds a little more interesting. In this one, Steamboat Willie will be murdering passengers on a ferry boat, which seems to be in the better vein of actually what Steamboat Willie is about. The first one just seems like a really cheap slasher. Almost looks exactly like Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey in a lot of ways, but like with they probably made that movie in about a week. Uh, if you, <laughs> you know, go and watch the trailer for that one. It, it's really it's, fucking It's called uh, uh, Mickey's Mousetrap. Mouse trap. Okay, and then we're gonna have Steamboat Willie as well here. They're probably both gonna be terrible, right? Mm -hmm, At the end of probably. the day, I, I mean, these directors, it's it's just really low hanging fruit, right? Like uh, it gets their name in. I mean, it's fucking like headline news. Like I saw like Variety's reporting on it, like all these really big time publications, and that's the only reason these movies end up getting made. So don't expect much. Just like not much came out of Winnie the Pooh, although maybe the sequel, you know, will be better, you know, with a bigger budget. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, just, Mickey is nothing sacred. I guess not. It's kind so, of an interesting okay. time that we live in because we're getting to the point now where, so the copyright is what, 95 years, I think, after 
its original publication. So we're getting to a point now where movies and properties that we know and love are going to start being public domain. You know, uh, we saw it with Nosferatu, we're seeing it with The Man of a Thousand Faces, we're seeing it now with Mickey, we have Winnie the Pooh, we also have Tigger, that's why Winnie the Pooh Part 2, which is coming out this year as well, it's going to have Tigger in it, because his whole thing expired this year. It's going to be interesting to see all these characters kind of being exploited, and of course horror is going to be the first one, horror and porn. <laughs> are the two that are gonna be first on that ship and and video games because there's also a mickey video game calling called infestation 88 so there you go it's uh it's gonna be interesting amazing well yeah i mean i'm sure it's a movie both mickey movies will end up watching we know at least steve will watch them both so we will give you guys our review on this podcast once it releases i believe the mickey mousetrap is probably coming out relatively soon right march. Like it's already got the trailer in march okay yeah so you'll hear our thoughts, or at least Steve's thoughts, come March for Mickey Mouse Trap. And that's all we got for horror news this week. Thank you, everyone. All righty, Steve. Let's head into what watched for the week. What you got? All right. So I'm starting off right away. I, I told people, okay, I can't wait for January because then I can watch stuff that isn't like new. You know, I'm going to go back and watch some classics and stuff like that. But I got sucked right back into it. Uh, my very first movie, my first 2024 movie that I'm going to review. It's not Night Swim, as most people would probably expect. It's actually a screener we got by the name of Reflect. So this movie comes out on January 9th on VOD. So if you want to check it out. Uh, so this is a story of a group of women who get like a mysterious email that they need to go on this retreat to find themselves and to kind of, it's like a spiritual retreat in the middle of the desert to just kind of cleanse themselves and help themselves and just improve their lives and stuff like that. So they decide to accept and they go on this road trip to this desert where they meet some really interesting characters that kind of teach them like their mistakes, how they can deal with them. But then they find out that they're being watched by these hooded figures and their whole thing is more than it would look like. It's hard to describe. You probably noticed that I was kind of like trying to figure out how to describe this movie. It's a very abstract movie. It's got a lot of crazy visuals, like someone on an acid trip at times. Um, you don't really know what those hooded entities are there for. There's also really weirdly someone like narrating this whole thing. At times, he's like just a guy with a mic who like talks about what's going on, which kind of takes you away from it, in my own opinion. And the movie is just, it's out there. It's it's a little weird. Uh, me personally, not a fan. It was just a little too out there for my taste. I, I was kind of getting bored after a while. Uh, it was well acted and so well shot. So that's not an issue. It's just, I, I think the whole thing was kind of a weird mess. So that is re Reflect, which you can watch on VOD. Alrighty. Uh, my first watch tonight, 2023 release you can check it out on vod as well and that is Bo is afraid i watched this as a for the year ender episode because ari Oster. and from what i heard it was like not really horror but there was definitely some horror elements in it and you know it was making some people's lists i would say this is not really a horror movie although there is definitely some nightmarish stuff in here so there's definitely some genre tropes 
along the way, but basically this movie is about a man named Bo played by uh, Joaquin Phoenix, who basically has like severe anxiety. His mother has passed away and basically he goes on a somewhat odyssey to find, uh, to get to his mother's funeral. This movie requires, I would say a lot of patience. It's three hours long and for the most part, it's very nonsensical um, until you start to unweave what the movie is truly about in the third act. So I feel like a lot of people will immediately jump ship, um, you know, probably within the first hour of this movie. And I don't blame them, honestly. But there's a lot, I mean, there's a lot of interesting stuff really in here. Um, the movie definitely has, a, I think, by the end of it, a very clear message of what it is about. And it's, you know, it's a pretty important message in a lot of ways, like about, you know, depression and anxiety and issues with family. I mean, there is, there's a lot of layers here. I mean, it is Ari Aster, so you know, always know he does, you know, deal with a lot of, you know, big sort of issues underneath sort of another facade that he usually puts up in his movies with like he did with hereditary and midsummer and stuff like that i would say this is probably the least clear of his three movies though uh, as far as a plot goes yeah so i would say acts one and three are both really interesting but the movie really lost me in act two i feel like it is a really the biggest chore to get through and was mainly for me boring for the most part so I do think it, it it's a good movie at the end of the day, but I, it's a tough one to recommend at the same time. Like, it's a movie I'm glad I watched, but it's not something I don't think I'll ever rewatch. So I did give it three and a half out of five uh, on Letterboxd. And honestly, like, I question whether that maybe is too high at times. Maybe it, it should be more of a three out of five, but leaving it, it did have, it's a movie I'll never forget. Like, I'll, you know what I mean? It's definitely an unforgettable movie. And it's a movie that, like, if someone mentions it, I'll vividly go to a few scenes that really stick out. So to me, that is what brings it up to a three and a half out of five for me. So if you're into those, you know, A24 deep art house type movies, I would say definitely check it out. But you're going to know right away based on what I was saying, if you're going to, this is the type of movie for you or not. So that is, uh, once again, Bo is Afraid, which you can check out VOD. Yeah, that was a wild one. <laughs> That's for damn sure. So my next one, something that we decided to do on Discord this year, it, well, uh, Joe and I did anyway, is we asked our listeners and people who were on our Discord to recommend us movies. And we did a 2024 challenge where we have one recommendation per month from people in our Discord. And we'll watch it, review it, and talk about it on What Watched. The one I got for January was from Shaylin. So thank you for the uh, recommendation. And it is a 2018 film called The Domestics, which I watched over on VOD. It's a, like a super cheap rental. It's like $1.99 or something. So The Domestic stars Kate Bothworth, who we interviewed on the show, of course. And it's about... It's kind of like the apocalypse. These planes come out of nowhere and drop this like black smoke on people and it kills the majority of people. But some people survive, they are immune, and it takes place sometime later where a bunch of organized gangs are kind of running the United States. And these uh, two people who are just regular people, they're trying to drive home. It's about 800 miles away so that they can reunite with their family because they're not hearing from them on the CB radio anymore and they're worried. So instead of just kind of hoping that they're well, 
they want to make the trek across the country to kind of help them. And along the way, he meets all of those gangs that are running uh, the United States. Uh, I, I honestly had never heard about this. I, I think I vaguely saw it when right before preparing for the Kate Bosworth interview, which I couldn't even make it to anyway. So I was excited to see what why it was recommended to me. And holy shit, this movie's awesome. I really love the characters in this. The gangs are really kind of unique in their own way. You have like a snowplow gang, which are kind of rapey, which is disgusting, but it works for this movie. You have a gang that has like animal heads that they wear on their on their heads and they like for every decision that they make it's some kind of gambling like they'll spin a wheel whether you live or die or they'll play russian roulette or like everything is a game to them and you have a bunch of other groups and you just constantly moving through this story you know they they never stick to a place for very long like 10 15 minutes at the most and a lot of them are sometimes just five to ten minutes and you meet so many colorful characters along the way and it's a really quick movie as well, 95 minutes. It, it flew right by because they move so quickly from town to town and from gang to gang. My only like negative I'd have is one, it's not the strongest story. It's kind of a very basic story. I thought it could have been a little bit better as to their motivation and what happens at the end. And the other one is that there are some characters that were so good that I kind of wish we had more of them or more context as to why they are and like, what they're doing and stuff like that. But this was a huge surprise. I, I enjoyed the, sh- the hell out of this. So thank you, Shaylin. I gave it a four out of five on Letterboxd. Uh, check it out, The Domestics over on VOD. Yeah, I've heard a lot of people actually talk about that one. That's the one I haven't seen either. But I'll tell you, Damien Buffet, big fan of that one, actually. He's told me several times to watch it, and I believe it was on his top 10 when it came out a couple years ago. It made, did make so, yeah. 2018. Okay. Were we doing Best Of? At that uh, point, you I just were remember being the three on guys. people's lists. Three guys days. Okay. Yep. I do remember being on people's lists back then as well. So that's definitely one I'm excited to check out. Which is is it like comparable to the purge in some ways? It kind of sounds like it. It it, it is, yeah, except they're mo- they're constantly yeah. moving. So it's like okay. in a car, like going through the Americas. But yeah, it's got purge where it's like the groups have a distinct look. And yeah, it's, mm-hmm. it's interesting. I, I really dug this one. Oh. Cool. All right, my last one tonight is a 2023 release called Birth slash Rebirth. Uh, this is a sort of take on, sort a sort of modern day take on the Frankenstein story. It stars two women, um, a, a single mother, and also a morgue technician. And their stories end up intertwining once a tragedy hits the single mother where her daughter has this sort of undiagnosed disease I, I believe i can't remember what exactly it was but it was you know some uh, unexpected sort of disease death that happens to the young daughter and the morgue technician has basically developed this drug that essentially reanimates things and she's kind of working on it uh she had done it on animals previously but decided to finally try it on a person and starts with uh, this young girl because she said she was a great candidate. From there, the two of them work together, essentially, uh, the single mother who is a nurse and this morgue technician uh, to try to keep this young girl together, do tests on the young girl. And uh, yeah, from there, it sort of 
you know, modern day Frankenstein story. I will say this movie is acted fantastically um, by our two leads, Marin Ireland and Judy Reyes. Marin Ireland, who horror fans will know best from The Dark and the Wicked, she played um, the lead actress in that movie, which was one of my top of the year from a couple years ago. And Judy Reyes, who I don't, I'm not too familiar with, but it does say she was in Smile. So she isn't, she is a familiar face to horror as well. Um, so yeah, the, I mean, the the acting is just great in this by everybody. And I mean, the 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 plot is is one that, you know, is really cool and, and interesting, right? I'm already taking on Frankenstein, but with a young child, you know, a seven, eight-year-old child. So I feel like they shied away, though, too much from the horror aspects of this movie and focused mainly on, you know, the sort of family drama side of it, which is fine. But when you're expecting a horror movie, it becomes disappointing. So I feel like they should have explored, you know, darker themes with the little girl doing more sort of disturbing stuff than what we do end up getting. So yeah, for me, I, I gave it a three out of five because of that. I feel like we deserved a better payoff than what we ended up getting with this one. And it's, yeah, it just wasn't enough horror elements in here for me. And it's just kind of a slow mover. And with it being a slow mover for me, I feel like you always need a great payoff. And to me, the payoff just wasn't there. So it's a decent watch, but, you know, not something you have to run out and go see. So that's birth uh, slash rebirth, three out of five. All right. I want to do a bonus one. It's Uh, horror adjacent. But I want to discuss it with you because I know you've also seen it. So I'm curious of your thoughts on this one. It's an A24 film as well. So I always like to hear your thoughts on these. And that is a 2023's dream scenario. So this is a story with uh, Nicolas Cage. He is a professor. And all of a sudden, like, he meets his ex-wife as he's out for dinner. And she's like, I had a dream about you. And then his wife is kind of like, feels a certain way about it because like why is your ex-wife dreaming about you that's a little weird and then she wants to meet him for coffee to discuss it which really weirds her out even more but then all of a sudden some of his students are also starting to say hey i had a dream about you too and that goes further and further and all of a sudden everyone's having dreams about him but the interesting thing is he's not doing anything in his dreams he's just like there in the background just kind of creepily staring at them in in the back of the dream and he be- starts becoming famous because of it. And he doesn't know how to handle his fame. You have firms that are trying to like give him some kind of weird like sponsorship deals to exploit that fame. And he just wants to be like his own professor thing and work on, I think it's insects or plants or something that he's really into. And the movie kind of explores his like sudden rise to fame and then subsequent can- cancel culture, like canceling of him because people start having nightmares of him in their dreams and are somehow mad at him. It's a wild fucking movie. It's not horror per se, but it's definitely got horror elements because people start having nightmares about this guy. And I was just curious to your thoughts. Like me personally, not like the best film, but a very interesting one that I'm glad I watched because it made me think a lot like, what would I do in that scenario? Or what would I do if I had dreams of someone? Would I be somehow like, like pissed at them or... You have all sorts of people. Some people are like aroused by him and you have people that are mad at him and some people are just weirded out and it's and the way that people treat him in society. It's a really interesting piece and one I think people should check out. So I'm curious how you feel about it. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was great. You know, Nicolas Cage is just 
amazing in this movie. He was like the perfect role, like just perfect cast too for a movie like this. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, it's not a horror movie per se, but there's definitely like the nightmare. Some of the nightmare scenes are definitely horror adjacent. Plus they call him, they end up calling him, you know, the Freddy Krueger, you know, at some point because he is in everyone's nightmares. There's even a great scene towards the end where he they have him wear a Freddy Krueger glove for a photo op that I think they even mentioned Rue Morgue magazine or something at one point wants to do like an interview with them or something. So yeah, it's there are definitely some horror elements in there, which is fun. But yeah, at the end of the day, I mean, the movie really is a look into several things, one being cancel culture in society, also, you know, the dangers of social media at times, and just like how we perceive fame. So yeah, it's, I mean, it's really interesting, right? Like, because like, he's not doing anything wrong, like at all. It's just like what how people are perceiving him in their dreams, and he gets canceled for it. And it's like, you know, and unfortunately, that does happen to people in our society these days. I mean, granted, there are several people that very much deserve to be canceled, but there are other people who probably don't deserve to be canceled. So, like, it shows, like, you know, mom mentality and just, you know, and how dangerous it can be in our society. So, I think there's a lot of, like, really interesting discussions that can be brought forth watching a movie like this, especially with, like, a group. I mean, it's, I think it's a great movie you can discuss and be like, wow, like, I think you could do honestly like a whole like sort of thesis on it, you know, honestly. Um there's there's a lot of interesting things brought forth uh in this movie. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was great. I gave it four out of five. Yeah, I gave it three and a half, but I think that's because I feel that by the end they had kind of used the examples enough and it just kind of dragged on for a little too long uh near the end. But I did really enjoy it. And it's one I think about a lot. So maybe it's one that, you know, I may need to revisit one day, not anytime soon, but one day because it's an interesting film and Nicolas Cage is a powerhouse in this. He's such a great actor in this, man. He's so creepy and he does nothing. The, the scenes that creep me out the most is the ones where people dream, like they have their regular dreams, which, you know, can be really weird if anyone has dreams. But then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, he just like pops up behind the bush and he's not menacing. He's just kind of chilling out back there. And it's so creepy in some way because it's an invasion of privacy. Like people are having like sexy dreams <laughs> and all of a sudden there he is in the background just popping his head in and it's it's hilarious and tragic and it's a good one people should check it out absolutely and he did get nominated for a golden globe he did not win but he was nominated for this movie for a golden globe so congrats on that it was actually his birthday yesterday actually as of, of as of this filming so happy birthday nicholas cage as well all righty well, let's do it, ladies and gentlemen. Our main event of the evening, 2002's The Mothman Prophecies, directed by Mark Pellington, starring Richard Gere, Laura Linney, Deborah Messing, and Will Patton. Quick plot here. A reporter is drawn to a small West Virginia town to investigate a series of strange events, including psychic visions and the appearance of bizarre entities steve can you delve a little more into the plot for us sure it's about uh i forget their character names so forgive me but uh richard gear is successful and he's john about klein to... john klein there you go so john is successful and he's about to buy a new house with his wife and everything's going super well in his life and they're driving away from the house and all of a sudden his wife is driving and the mothman attacks in probably the best cgi i've seen in the 2000s and they get into an accident and his wife goes into a coma she's in you know critical condition and she 
unfortunately passes away a little bit later in the hospital, but not before having drawn pictures of what she saw that night, which kind of weirds him out. Story takes place two years later, and all of a sudden, the Mothman starts reappearing. I forget what was the initial thing that caused him so to... What? Yeah, so was it a story? I can, oh, uh, yeah. I can I delve into this. He, he's a reporter right. yeah, for the Washington Post, and he has to go interview a senator or something like that in some other state. Right, and he wakes up in the totally wrong direction because he, he was driving from uh, D.C. to wherever he was going. And he ended up like kind of blacking out and then his car just dies in the middle of the road. So he goes to a house and the person meets him with a shotgun. And then he's like, you've been here the last three days knocking at my door at 2.30 in the morning. He's like, no, I've never seen you before. I've never been here. So holds him at shotgun, calls the cops. And then he starts realizing that something is weird here. And as he goes into that town, he starts realizing that you know, there's something going on and other people have seen the same entity that he was describing because someone else drew a picture of it and he decides to stay in a town as a reporter to figure out what's going on with the Mothman. I think that's pretty much the gist of it. It's pretty much the whole thing. I think thing. so. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. All right. Thank you, Steve, for that synopsis. Yeah. So I'll give my initial thoughts here. Uh, I picked, this was my pick. I haven't seen it in a very long time. I remember it, watching it a lot, though, in my early teens when the movie was released and really enjoying it. So this week, we want, I wanted to do sort of a winter-themed horror movie. Originally, we were gonna, I wanted to do The Thing, but we're, we decided we wanted to do sort of a triple feature for The Thing. So this one popped up, and I was like, oh, yeah, I haven't seen that movie in a while, so I definitely want to revisit it. This movie definitely, I mean, this movie does take place around Christmas time, which I, I totally had forgotten. But the movie does have a great winter-themed feel to it. It's very sort of, you know, it's, you kind of feel cold watching it. Like, the whole movie takes place, a lot of it outside in winter-themed settings. It also has, like, a very dull color scale to it like as well which i feel was definitely intentional to sort of add to sort of the darkness surrounding the movie i overall did enjoy this movie on a rewatch you know i do think there's a lot of issues with it but most of it has to do with like it being dated you know the mothman effects are terrible in this movie and probably weren't even necessary or it could have been done better but man the cgi is just so low tier here like there was better cgi in I don't know, like for a movie that has like Richard Deere and Laura Linney and, you know, pretty big actors, I guess that's where all the budget went because there is no budget at all as far as the CGI goes in that movie. But I think the story is really good and really interesting and really um, lends to interesting thoughts and theories that I'm sure Steve and I will get into after uh, I hear Steve's thoughts. But yeah, I mean, for me, like I, granted it is, barely a horror movie at the end of the day. I mean, there's definitely like creepy parts in it and a lot of creepy parts, but at the end of the day, it really is more, I guess, sort of a, I guess like a conspiracy or not conspiracy theory, but like a mythology type drama because we never really, like the Mothman isn't a big part of this movie per se. Like you don't see the Mothman like flying around town attacking people or anything like that, right? It's like the theory of the Mothman and what is he and is he real and stuff, which I find to be the most interesting part about the Mothman. So I, I did enjoy the story. I enjoyed, I mean, because it is based on factual events. I think Steve went more into like how factual this actually was, which I'm interested to hear. But 
yeah, I mean, I'll leave it at that for now because I think there's a lot more thoughts. But overall, like leaving this, I uh, I still think it was a pretty solid movie and I, I enjoyed it for what it was. Yeah, this movie is a retelling of events to happen in the late 60s in Point Pleasant, uh, West Virginia, which is where this movie takes place, except they decided to put it in kind of the present day of, of their time, whatever, like 2002. And also one of the big differences, and I'll talk about that a little bit more later, is... The Mothman in this movie is more of a psychological torture of a creature because he usually just speaks. He doesn't show himself too often, and he also predicts the future, and it's like this whole kind of almost alien creature, and they even mention that at certain points in the movie, whereas in real life, it was people saw a physical man with wings with red eyes which would be immediately followed with men in black, which is a whole other kind of conspiracy theory where these people are basically like in the movie, you know, chasing aliens. And when they show up, something's really weird. So, and I'll talk about what I think about all that. Cause I did watch two documentaries to kind of get the, the, the kind of the gist of what's going on with this movie and the story. As for the movie itself though, I watched it when it first came out. Uh, my dad had it on DVD. And then I watched it again like three years ago, and I had a letterbox review of uh, one star, to, so or two stars. Todd had one star. I had two stars, and I was curious now that I'm watching it to review it, like, will I like it better? Because I'm really like paying attention to the details more so than I would back then. And my answer is no. I just find this movie kind of boring. Like there really isn't that much going on. It's very kind of all over the place. Richard Gere's John character goes from Point Pleasant, he goes back to Washington, he goes to see an author, he goes back to Point Pleasant, goes back to Washington. You know, he's like constantly moving around, but to no real purpose. And I love investigation horror. I think it's really fun. You know, we reviewed The Ring last year, which was investigative horror, and I really, really like that one. But this one, I don't know, it was just too abstract for its own good. The fact that the Mothman was like, had all these powers that they never really explain, like, is why is he warning people of the apocalypse? Why is he warning certain people? Uh, you do see him like six times in the movie, I think, but it's always like really quick flashes, like he's in the mirror or uh, you see him only clearly like, twice, I think. And like Joe said, it's so badly done that it's almost laughable. It almost would have been better not to do it. In fact, one of the documentaries I watched was a low budget documentary and they had basically computer graphic uh, like really shit like you know some student made it uh, of the Mothman and it looked better than this movie. And that's really weird. To think about now granted it's like 15 years after this movie but still it they should have had something better and yeah i just i just wasn't connecting with the movie you know it's just the events that were going on the relationship between him and the cop weren't really i wasn't invested in it at all it, it felt kind of like okay you're a guy i'm a girl clearly we have to hook up <laughs> you know it's kind of one of those things i didn't feel the attraction between the two and so the bridge scene which is the last scene is something I feel that just came out of nowhere for this movie. Now, I understand that this is the real disaster that people are blaming on the Mothman, uh, even though they've proven that it was just basically bad welding that actually took down that bridge in real life. Just, I don't know, I wasn't, I wasn't, I was bored too often in this movie to really care, but I do like that this brought me down the rabbit hole of learning more about the Mothman. Yeah, I, I will. I will agree. Like the whole like chemistry between Laura Linney and Richard Gere's character, it wasn't the the best, but like I could understand like 
sort of, I guess, because he just, you know, he lost his wife two years ago. And all right, we have to sort of force this sort of storyline. But I mean, to me, the best uh, chemistry is between him and Will Patton's character. Um, the two of them sort of trying to piece together what is happening because Will Patton's character, of course, you know, seeing the Mothman, he starts getting the the warnings or are they warnings like what exactly are they and that's where i find the movie becomes most interesting to me you know he starts hearing okay like he gets messages from the mothman well they bo and both end up getting messages from the mothman but it's you know to me it's is the mothman doing these things or is he warning about these things um and that's to me like where the movie you know really becomes the most sort of interesting for me where you could really start to peel back the layers of the whole Mothman, you know, myth and whatnot, you know, it, so, you know, Will Patton's character gets a warning about, you know, people dying and it's always very sort of cryptic. It's like Denver 37 will die or whatever. And then there ends up being a plane crash where everyone dies on board. And, you know, that was it a uh, great tragedy on the river, Ohio, which Richard Gere originally thinks is going to be the chemical factory, but the, br the bridge that ends up collapsing is, you know, what the whole thing uh, ends up being. And then, of course, we get Laura Linney's thing where she has this dream where Mothman's sort of warning her, you know, where she's number 37. There ends up being 36 victims or whatever, and she gets saved that way. So I, f I find I found I found that all very interesting, especially. And then, of course, with Mothman talking to or is it like and, and Mothman, of course, uh, apparently has a name of Injured Cold, which I don't know where that came from. I don't know if that is like anywhere in the whole mothman sort of documentaries you watch if that name was ever you know brought up or if it was just made up for the movie but you know we have some great scenes i feel like with sort of probably the scariest parts of the movie anyway um on a horror basis is richard gear talking to this injured cold who we assume is you know the mothman character um with a very sort of distorted voice it, one of probably the best creepiest scenes of the whole movie where you know he's asking him you know read out of you know chapter you know page 56 in this thing and you know what am i holding in my hand where are my keys type thing and the mothman kind of knows everything that is going on so for me that's like where it all to me that's why i liked this movie i could totally understand steve's points too where it is a bit dull at times but for me i liked it because of sort of i found it just all of this stuff like really interesting but yeah i mean i don't know steve like i don't know where you want to go from here but i guess my thought process is like do you think mothman is doing these things or is he trying to warn the people like so you know i, I don't know here's the weird thing about it right so he warns three people in this movie he, he warns will Patton's character he warns Richard Gere's character and he warns Laura Linney's character. Uh, I don't know if he's warning anyone else, but those are the only three in the movie that are confirmed, you know, having some kind of contact or dream or something with the Mothman. Will Patton dies, so that doesn't really go anywhere. And then Richard Gere is like basically only there to save Laura Linney. Like he saves a few people, but like he didn't prevent anything. You know, he tried to but he didn't actually prevent anything. The only person who really kind of came out of this is Laura Linney through these warnings. So why are they trying to save her specifically, right? It's it's like a weird, I don't know, like it's, it's not like the warning did anything to the movie. And that's kind of a problem for me. It's like, why not just have Mothman being the catalyst for what happened, like what they think in real life or what the, the legends were, where it's this one, he's just like kind of the watcher 
watching over people. But at the same time, he also killed his wife in a way. So what was the angle of that? Like, it, I don't know. It's just the movies are kind of all over the place for me and they don't provide any explanations. And they even provide an explanation for why they're not providing any explanations with one line where someone asks, like, do you think they're going to tell us, like, why they're doing this? And he says, would you ever try to explain yourself to a cockroach? You know, because they're such an advanced civilization that they wouldn't talk to others. So it's, I don't know, it's it's weird. Yeah, I mean, it is weird. And, uh, like, it's, I guess that's the whole thing with Mothman, right? We don't know, right? People have encountered the Mothman several times. And, yeah, I mean, it's, there is no explanation, which is like, okay, they made this movie knowing that you really can't explain it. So I, I think it's really just to sort of get the, the myth out there and to get people, I guess, sort of talking about it in some ways. Well, for me, like what I started to find really weird was like, why is the Mothman, like at one point, Richard Gere's dead wife goes into the police station. And I apparently, I'm assuming it's the Mothman that can shapeshift and sort of mess with his mind. And then is like, she's going to call, and then the Mothman apparently can call people on the phone and deliver and relay messages to, you know, uh, staff and stuff like that. But it's like, why is the Mothman doing that to Richard Gere's character? Like, is he trying to sort of consume him to turn him crazy? Like, I, I just, I didn't understand the logic behind sort of delving him into the obsession with his wife and that your wife's going to call you and stuff like that. Yeah. It's it's a, it's a weird, that that's kind of the problem, right? Like what was the point of the Mothman in this whole story? Like if it was clear that the whole point was to avoid this tragedy and he's just trying to get his attention. Sure. But I don't know what the point was. <laughs> Clearly the Mothman knew that there was going to be 36 people dying. So what was the point? I, and that it's not answered uh, to me. And that's, kind of one of the bigger problems on top of I was kind of bored throughout the whole thing. Right. And that, I mean, that lends to like Will Patton's character too. Like he ends up going crazy and he, does he commit suicide or like, is are we, he dies of exposure. I think right. he just, uh, he's outside in the cold too long and he dies. Right. So it's like more like this mysterious stuff and it's like, okay, well, is the Mothman like a good entity or a bad entity? Um, I feel like, like the more we delve into this, I guess he seems more like a bad entity, you know, where he's like sort of toying with people, like telling them these cryptic things, but it's like, there's nothing you can do to stop them. Like it's going to happen regardless. So, you know, based on like I had, I did have a back and forth about, okay, well maybe he's like a good being and he's just trying to warn people to prevent these things. But now the more I think about it, like, yeah, I mean, I, he seems to have some pretty sinister like end game. Yeah. Yeah. Motive. Yeah. Yeah, I, and he kind of only shows up, I don't know if you noticed that, when there's some kind of angry energy. You know, if when you mm -hmm. see him, at one point Richard Gere like punches a door, a closet door that has a mirror on it, and very quickly you see the Mothman in the mirror. You know, and mm -hmm. so maybe he is just fucking with him and just fucking with people. But again, to what purpose? Like, I guess the same way that people fuck with cockroaches and put little hats on them yeah. and take pictures of them for TikTok. I, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, right. So we, if we're to assume maybe it's an alien being, I mean, maybe it's research, right? They want to see how we tick or want to see like, what can we do? You know, it's like a scientific experiment, right? Like, I mean, I don't know. Do you think the Mothman, do you think it's like an alien being or do you think it is some sort of, I don't know. I, 
what are, what are your thoughts on like, uh, what it, is the Mothman? In the movie, I think it's an alien being. Um, right. I think it's an alien, like he says, it's an alien being, being that's considerably more advanced than humans, and they're basically just toying with the people that you know they're superior to. Uh, so I think in this movie, it's it's an alien because it's not a cryptid at all. You know, you don't you don't really see him as being something that flies away or anything. He just kind of appears and disappears immediately. What do you think? Right. I mean, there are, I mean, there are some people that like saw different, everyone seemed to have saw like different things too. Right. Like we did get a few other eyewitness accounts. One lady said she saw the one in the, the, the backyard, especially, you know, said she saw a thing kind of that was eight feet tall in her backyard that had these red glowing eyes and wings and flew away. Whereas the other ones saw sort of a, a more of a mysterious man, like in all black or whatever, you know, that sort of like this bright light shined and, you know, they ended up, you know, having uh, some sort of eye damage because of it. You know, Richard Gere's wife sees essentially like a, a full on moth entered thing, apparently. But it's like, OK, well, did she actually see that or was that a thing to do with like the tumor she had in her brain where she was just a mad, you know, because there are th people do have. From what I've heard, people that do end up like with brain tumors and stuff do at, at times do have like halluc weird hallucinations and stuff. So like, I don't know, like, did she ever really see the Mothman or was that just sort of like a hallucination in her brain? But I mean, as far as the storyline goes, I, she started drawing him and stuff like that. So I guess she did see some sort of moth. But why would the Mothman just go to her? Is she is he trying to warn her of her brain tumor in that moment? Or is he like, you know what I mean? So there's a lot of sort of unclear stuff going on here. Here's the problem, having now researched the real, well, quote-unquote, real Yeah, let's hear, let's hear the real stuff. Just to, I, I think what happened here is that they took some of the real story or, like, that you know, the real accounts of the Mothman and tried to build this story around it because a lot of those things that you described, uh, the red eyes, the woman who saw the eight-foot, uh, you know, kind of black creature with the wings and the red eyes, it's, that's all stuff that is from real accounts of people having seen the Mothman. So the real story is, so the Mothman has been a legend for a long time. I think the earliest that they can find was like in the 1920s or something like that, that uh, people had sightings of it, but it didn't get popularized until I think it's 66 and 67 when people started seeing, a lot of people started seeing winged creatures in the sky with glowing red eyes and followed by men in black. And that was kind of the big thing. And then there was that bridge tragedy, which killed 46 people in that town of Point Pleasant, uh, West Virginia. And they say that a lot of the sightings stopped after that. There are sightings here and there, of course, like any cryptid, but the majority of the sightings happened between 66 and 67. Now, what I think the real story is, and what a lot of one of these documentaries anyway was explaining, is that the quote unquote, real area 51 is really close to point pleasant uh, west virginia and but what i mean by the real area 51 it's the testing facility for military technology and something that they were testing around that time in the 60s were flying suits they have early footage of people basically like iron man in these flying contraptions and they would have had those red lights you know as any airplane or helicopter has to kind of show people and because that was so above what technology was in the late 60s people perceived it as being 
something different or something crazy. So it became a real life flying suits that were flying at night mixed with mass hysteria. I'm sure some of the people did not see what they saw at all. They just think they saw what they saw. And the men in black is, I think, military operatives who were trying to shut people up because they were close to the, they were at the time of the Cold War and they didn't want people to leak any type of uh, technology that they had at that time. So I think that's what, it's a mix of multiple things. It's a mix of military, mix of mass hysteria, mix, mix of kind of all that stuff rolled into one, which is what led to the Mothman uh, legend, which now is like, they have a Mothman festival in Point Pleasant, Point Pleasant uh, <laughs> West Virginia, that is 10,000 people a year roll That's into awesome. this small <laughs> fucking town to do this giant festival and yeah he's like a you know it's a, a legend now yeah uh, kind of fucked up when you think about it though it's like a massive tragedy and you're yeah, having like well, this huge I mean, party that you know imagine, Salem, right? it happens all the time though right yeah right right it no yeah it's very true it's very very, very true <laughs> yeah. yeah it's 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 interesting like how like all these tragedies befall and then like it turns into a circus right. um because of it have any has anything happened since as far as like other Mothman sightings or tragedies? No tragedies. There's a lot of Mothman sightings, but just like there are Bigfoot sightings and, you know, Yeti mm -hmm. sightings and all of the different sightings. And there are pictures. It's always, it's, you know how it is. It's always super unclear. And even though they got super nice cameras now, you know, it's always something blurry and in the back. And, and now we also have like flying suits and drones and all sorts of shit that it could be, you know? So... I mean, there's one that people were convinced was the Mothman. And it's not till years later that someone happened to have filmed the exact same event. And it was like a garbage bag that would just happen to be open and flapped in a way that looked to some people like a Mothman. You know, it's just, it, yeah, I think it's a lot of mass hysteria and unfortunately mostly debunked at this point. Right. Yeah. I mean, of course, your brain. If someone says something, your brain will automatically sort of go right. to that, you know, thing. So yeah, of course, it, I totally agree with that. And the theory of the sort of flying suits actually makes complete sense uh, now that you're saying that. I did want to go back to the movie quickly. I wanted to know what you thought of the ending. So the bridge collapse scene, which I think is actually a really entertaining scene for the most part. It's pretty cool. But what we get at the end... Of course, you know, there's a part where John Klein leaves Point Pleasant, goes back home. It's Christmas Eve. Laura Linney's character calls him and is like, you know, I just really want you to come, you know, come back. Don't be alone on Christmas Eve, blah, blah, blah. And he kind of explains, well, I'm waiting for this call from my wife. She's like, you know, she's dead. That's not really your wife on the phone or whatever. You know, the phone ends up ringing. He even rips it out, still rings, you know, a la like sort of Nightmare on Elm Street, Freddy Krueger style, uh, but he never answers the phone, decides to go back. The bridge collapse does happen. You know, he saves Laura Lenny's character. And at the very end, he's like, you know, I, I got your phone call. And she does kind of have this confused look on her face. And he's like, you did call, right? And she's kind of like, yeah, I did. Do you think... So that this is like obviously the big, I guess, discussion point. I guess they want you to think about at the end of this movie is do you think she actually called him or was that the Mothman trying to get him to get back there and maybe potentially kill him or or save, right? Like depending which way you want to look at it. 
I mean, had the call gone in a way that said come back to Point Pleasant, whatever reason, right? Even if it's the same reason, I think it could have been okay. Maybe it was a Mothman, right? But the fact that it, she bought him a plane ticket and he, that he presumably used to go there, uh, I don't think the Mothman fucking pulled out his visa and bought a plane ticket for him. So I think that kind of debunks the fact. And that would have been more interesting, you know, keep it open ended where you don't know if the Mothman brought him back to Point Pleasant and somehow maybe she should have died, you know, so you don't know. And but he saves up, he ends up saving. 37 people or whatever number that they give her, you know, as opposed to uh, what happened in the movie. So, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a good point. It would have been better if he drove rather than the flight. Cause then it would be like, Oh, well, you know, if he drove the Mothman wouldn't have been able to buy the plane ticket, but Hey, if the Mothman can call people and like relay messages, he could probably buy a plane ticket too. Um, he seems to be a pretty, you know, uh, pretty good with stuff like that. So you never know. But I don't know. Yeah. I mean, that's really all I got, Steve. Anything else you want to discuss before we get into our rating? I have a Todd's grape and it's just Ooh, a random right. thing in the movie that I noticed. And I, I actually want to ask my, our friend Eric about this. Cause he was a nine one one caller, uh, like operative at one point. Do people start calls when they call nine one one with nine one one, there's been an emergency. Like, why are you repeating the number you just called? And that always like bothers me in movies. Uh, I don't know. Like the few times I've called nine one one, I don't think I said nine one one at first. I just, I'm like, Hey, there's, you know, this going on. So yeah, I don't know if that's a just a movie thing, just poor writing, in my yeah. opinion. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, and also trying to bang in the closet when there's literally a, <laughs> a real so estate funny. agent like right yeah. in the house with you. It's, that's a little extreme, but you know, yeah. I guess he doesn't so, stop. Whatever. He's like, "We'll take it." Close <laughs> no, up the doesn't. door. It's like, yeah. <laughs> "No way!" I want to bang my wife for uh, another ten minutes. Right. You know? <laughs> yeah, and somebody also that made me laugh right at the end uh, a firefighter is kind of like okay 36 people died and that's how they figure out the whole number why is a firefighter like fucking 90 like <laughs> they pick like the oldest fucking guy to be that firefighter like god does that town have no uh retirement plan like god damn that was yeah. weird that's just and another the, yeah right and that's we didn't even mention that but that was the other weird thing is like the mothman was calling the fire department but with john klein's voice like, he's like, oh, yeah, you remember that message you left or whatever? So there's, like, a whole bunch of, like, weird shit going on. I assume most of it just made up for the movie. Probably. You know, for dramatic effect, but... Yeah, and I right, know, I think like, that's about... Yeah, one moment that I, I remember vividly from a documentary is one of the eyewitnesses talks about all the gifts floating, like, after the bridge mm. went down. Uh, even though the actual thing happened, like, December 9th, it didn't happen Christmas Eve, like, in the story. That was one of the eyewitness accounts. I guess some of the cars had some gifts in them. And that's something that, I guess, really marked them. So I thought that was a nice touch for this movie. That was a nice... Yeah, yeah. that was a nice touch. And I get... I will say they probably spent most of their budget on that bridge collapse rather than yeah. the Mothman. It was that, cool. I mean, it, like, it was pretty it was... convincing looking, yeah. Yeah, exactly. For sure. Uh, all right, I'll start us off with rating. Uh, yeah, I mean, overall, the movie definitely has its issues, right? And But I think if you're really into, you know, mythology and, you know, cryptozoology, stuff like that, I mean, granted, they don't really get into the cryptozoology of it, but if you're into, like, myths and urban legends, I think this is, does a pretty good job of sort of keeping you guessing, keeping you, for the most part, interested about sort of you know, the Mothman and his legacy for this movie anyway. So for me, I was like 
it's a slow it's a bit of a slow mover but i was always intrigued with what was happening and what was going to happen next so overall i I enjoyed it i thought it was a it was a good movie as far as winter theme setting which i was going for i think that it checked the box for that as well I, i really liked the look of this movie too it definitely has a cold dull feeling to it and also a sort of a uh, like a dark feeling to it too surrounding Smothman. there's some definitely some solid creep factor moments in the movie yeah i mean i'm teetering between like a three and a three and a half three and a half is what i originally rated this movie on letterboxd and i think i'm gonna leave it at a three and a half i, I did enjoy watching it and it's something i would personally watch again yeah, and like I said before, I was a two three years ago, and I'm still a two today. I was just bored for the majority of it, and even like writing my notes, I I wrote three times in my notes. God damn, I'm bored. <laughs> you know, like just to, like a note to myself, like man, I'm I'm struggling watching this again. It just it wasn't holding my interest. I thought they could have done much better. And maybe a controversial thing to say, and I'm sorry for the listeners. I'm not a big Richard Gere guy. And I didn't love his performance in this. I thought maybe in the hands of a, maybe I don't want to say better actor, but actor that I like like more, maybe I would have been more interested. But Richard Gere never really did it for me, other than The Jackal, which is he was really good in, and Primal Fear, which were two movies I thought he was really good in. This one, I don't know. I wasn't buying it. So two out of five. Yeah. And Todd currently is at a one out he did not rewatch the movie so all i can say is he originally rated this a one out of five but i don't think he's seen it in a long time but so i'm definitely uh on the minority on this one of the three of us i also gotta say nostalgia might play a, a big factor with this one too because i did watch it a lot as a young kid but i feel like it held up for the most part despite its terrible cgi and like old style computers and stuff like that from 2002 days currently sitting at a 3.0 on letterboxd so kind of in the middle of uh, me and steve's ratings and will Patton, he's great in everything man he's such an underrated actor he's yes he's yeah. so good and, he, yeah, well, and he's great in this too but yes. uh yeah he's great Uh, All right, I guess that is going to be it for this week's episode. We hope you enjoyed our review of The Mothman Prophecies next week. I don't know, Steve, what are we doing? We are watching our first 2024 release. It's a new release that's coming out on Shudder. I think the day that this episode drops, it's a movie called Destroy All Neighbors. We know nothing about it other than a few of the people who are in it. And I'm not going to look it up. I'm not going to look at the synopsis. I'm not going to watch a trailer. I'm going in fully not knowing anything about this movie. And I think the other two, I think you guys are as well. It just, it looks like a fun movie. You know, it's uh, Alex Winters, one of the stars in it, and he's got goofy makeup. And just based off the poster, I think it could be a fun review. I hope. We'll see. Yeah, all I've seen too is, you know, I think you posted the poster of it to in our group chat and yeah the poster so kind of sold me right away it looks like it could be a lot of fun kind of reminded me of like night is something strange or something like that sort of in that style so it could be a a really fun movie to watch so i'm excited for that so yeah check it out destroy all neighbors uh streaming on shutter should be as of the date of this release so go check it out for next week's review in the meantime you can check us out on all of our social medias facebook twitter instagram threads just search the horror squad podcast you can email us anytime the horror squad podcast at gmail.com and of course the absolute best way to keep up with the podcast is our discord ton of channels to discuss everything over there all you gotta do just send us a dm an email whatever uh, and we'll send you a link 
to get onto our Discord completely free to join. You can also head over to our Instagram. It is linked on there as well. Yeah, amazing community over there. Some horror talk every single day. So please join our Discord if you haven't already. Uh, if you want to support the podcast, please leave us a five-star review on your favorite podcast app, or you can buy some merch, tpublic.com. It is linked also on our Instagram. Just search the Horror Squad podcast, and we got plenty of merch, plenty of designs uh, over there as well. And important dates, don't forget, Living Dead Weekend, June 7th through the 9th. That is going to be the official Horror Squad meetup for this year. It is in Monroeville, Pennsylvania, and also our Hocus Pocus event, October 11th through the 13th in Salem, Massachusetts. More details to come for that event as well. But please, if you haven't already, book your hotel if you are considering going to that because... The longer you wait, the tougher it is going to be to get a hotel for a decent price in that area. And that's going to be it. Once again, we'll see you next week for Destroy All Neighbors. See ya. I said, Mothman, lift that man off the ground. I said, Mothman, because you're in a new town and there's kids to be abducted. Mothman, there's a place you can go. I said, Mothman, when you make your eyes glow, you can stay there. And I'm sure you will find many ways to scare the townsfolk. Cause you're a really big M-O-D-H A really, really